This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. You're a one-of-a-kind man. Show the world who you are. The mold was broken the day you landed here on Earth. There's no more of you. Live it. Show it. You have a responsibility. Do you owe it to whatever you believe created life? Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Well, on this episode, we're going to talk about silver disobedience. Now, what is that you say? Well, it's a term coined by my guest, Diane Griesel, to express her passion for living agelessly, or as she puts it, a rebellion of law-abiding citizens against ageism. Diane is the author of the Silver Disobedience Playbook, 365 Inspirations for Living and Loving Agelessly. Diane, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Peter, I'm honoured to be here. Thank you. Have you always been disobedient or has it come with age? (laughs) Now, that's a good question. I guess it depends on how we define disobedient. (laughs) Well, you define it for me. Well, I have been always law abiding. But as I got older, I decided to reject the notion that aging might imply we were obsolete or irrelevant. And is that because that is the message that you get from much of society, that as you age, you do become irrelevant? You know, I think I got surprised over the years um, speaking with friends and how many felt disillusioned with age instead of enthusiastic about it. And honestly, for my personal self, I've been always kind of okay with it, especially since September 11th. I'm glad I was alive and a lot of people weren't. And I've also lived through some plane crashes. So I, I'm happy to be here, but I want to make sure everyone else is too. <laughs> and you say people become disillusioned with age. I wonder if that is because people become maybe not so much disillusioned, but frustrated with some of the frailties that come with age. Well, there are certainly changes in our bodies. That's, that's undeniable. But I just recently saw the Rolling Stones and Mick Jagger, 78 years old, had heart surgery. And let me tell you, I walked out of that concert and all I wanted to do was learn to move like Jagger. <laughs> so <laughs> We can all do that. Exactly. He danced for two and a half hours and Ronnie Woods kicked his legs so high that I'd have a groin pull if I did the same thing. Well, there's a certain amount of inspiration there, isn't there? Yes. So let's, before we delve a little bit deeper into what you're trying to do right now and and talk about your book as well, um, tell me about your life and your career. What have you been doing for the past few decades that has led up to what you do now? What has inspired you to do the kind of work that you do right now? You know, Peter, I've always been a writer my whole life. I've written about whatever motivated me from health books to business books to communications Uh, hypnosis, whatever I was into at the time, I wanted to write about since being a young child. And in addition to that, I've worked with pharmaceutical companies for the past 25 years owning a public relations firm. And what happened a couple of years ago is two things collided. 
I got an offer to sign with Wilhelmina, and with that meant I had to have an Instagram account and start posting obnoxious pictures of myself, many of them on a regular basis. And at the same time, my dearest friend, who's been my best friend for 30 years and is 20 years older than me, was in the hospital. And anyone who knows her would describe her as the youngest person we all know. And so I really started to wonder, one, was age a number or an attitude? And two, I started to write about it because I thought this will help my clients be assured that I'm not having a midlife crisis. (laughs) And fascinatingly, I would say the majority, if not all of my clients, follow me now. And so since we are talking about age and numbers, clearly the subject matter of this podcast gives me the latitude to ask someone what their age is. And I suppose in normal polite society, it isn't a question that you ask. And perhaps there's a a good reason for that. I don't know. It's it's never really bothered me to share my age with someone. What's your view on that? It doesn't bother me at all. I, I am almost 60. I'm very happy I'm alive and well and can say I'm 60. So it doesn't bother me in the least. Now, interestingly, you mentioned a, a few seconds ago that one of the things that uh, as, you, as you grew older and as, as, as the emphasis on your career changed, you were required to do, and that was embrace social media. Why is embracing social media and getting to grips with, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, whatever the platform of your choice is, why do you think that is so linked to age? And and why does it pose such a challenge for, for so many of us? Well, you know, I don't think it was necessarily getting used to using it. It was more the idea of posting pictures of myself every day. There was something that, you know, I remember joking with my kids about that when they were doing it. And then all of a sudden, I'm doing that same thing. And it's a really funny thing to come to terms with And what's more interesting is when I don't post a close-up picture of myself, whether it has makeup on or not, my engagement goes down. (laughs) So it's a very funny phenomenon and one that I really couldn't have imagined if I hadn't experienced it. Is that because it goes against the grain to some extent? It goes against your psyche to want to put yourself out there in that very visual sense? Well, like I said, having always been a writer, when you write books, it's a very insular kind of thing. And even writing the blog posts that I write, I'm sharing what I'm thinking about my own life. As I tell my followers, I write to walk the talk. The more I write what I'm thinking about, the more I say, boy, I, can't, I just put that out there into the universe, as flaky as that sounds. But it's out there. It's real now. People are reading it. It's kind of like you're living your life on a reality show. So I don't want to be the person who's standing in line at the store getting really annoyed at the person in front of me who's taking forever to pull out their wallet because I just wrote that I should not be doing that. I should just take a deep <laughs> breath. <laughs> That's an interesting phrase you use about taking a a deep breath. And there is something about aging that makes it easier to take that deep breath. And I think it is based on, obviously, a life's experience, the the wisdom that comes with dealing with different things that life throws at us. And it, it just becomes easier to sit back and, as you say, to take that breath. 
Well, I agree with you. The interesting thing about my blog is that I've really found that people respond saying they're so glad I'm giving, they feel like they're getting permission and validation that it's okay to take that deep breath. And I always remind them of that super overused term, but we've all heard it a thousand times or however many times we've flown on a plane. The flight attendant always says, make sure you put on your own mask, oxygen mask in the event of an emergency before you start trying to assist other people. And it's really true. If we come home from a day of work or whatever we're doing and we don't depressurize and now we're into another world, we're not really prepared to be our best with our families. So we need to take that breath all day long. I don't care if you lock yourself in a bathroom stall. And does it, I mean, is a big part of what you're trying to do is, is educate people and perhaps educate people who are not as old as you, who might be 10, 20, 30 years younger than you, to have a different attitude about ageing. Peter, you just hit on something that really blows me away. I have followers that I know about that range from a 13-year-old boy to a 103-year-old woman who's rocking it. And <laughs> everything in between. It's, there's plenty of men. There's plenty of women. It's such an interesting mix. And they, you know, it started at, at first, I'd have mothers and fathers saying, I'm going to share this with my, with my children. Now, there's sub-conversations in the comments where children are saying, I'm going to talk to my kids about this, or this should be kindergarten reading, <laughs> which surprises me. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that, because I often think with, with this podcast that the real audience that I would like to reach is probably two or three decades younger yes. than the people who you might think would listen to a podcast about longevity and ageing. Because if we are to take any kind of action or embrace the various changes that we can make to our lifestyle, whether that's a, a physical change, whether it's a dietary change or a, an exercise change or an attitude change, that it's better to do it when you're in your 20s or 30s than suddenly have an epiphany when you're in your 50s or 60s, because so much good can be done by embracing certain things earlier in life. And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I think you are so on to something. And when this podcast comes out, I'm going to help share the word about it because you're so spot on. And I really find when I speak to people or I'm engaging with people in comments, what so many of them are saying is they introduce themselves and say, you know, I'm 23, I'm 24. You're giving me peace of mind. Did you know the group that worries most about aging is in their 30s? They're worried about I what age is like. 
not people in their 70s. People in their 70s are saying, hey, you know, this is a good time. I'm glad I'm still alive. Well, it's interesting you should say that because I've always at least had in my mind that people in their maybe 20s or, or indeed 30s don't think enough about aging. They don't think enough about the consequences of perhaps how they're living their lives at that stage. And uh, perhaps they ought to because suddenly, wham, bam, they're 50 or 60 and, and, and certain things start to happen. But from your experience, you think a lot of people in their 30s are thinking about it? I think they're afraid. I think they're terrified of the idea of aging. And so what I try to encourage them and think about is Aging isn't the bad thing. Not taking care of yourself when you're in your 30s that affects your 40s and then your 50s and 60s, that's not such a good thing. As my mother used to say, who's 90 and rocking it and could run circles around all of us, my mother would always say, you know, I wish I took better care of myself when I was younger if I knew how old I'd get. Yeah, it's a good line, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think perhaps digging a little bit deeper into this idea of 30-year-olds and attitude towards ageing. It is, in a sense, a, a being in denial. You say that they are frightened of, of getting older. I, I view it as, as I say, being more in denial that ageing isn't going to happen to me, that I'm not going to be like my parents or grandparents because things will be different, that times will be different, and invariably they probably won't be different because of the same issues will hit them, but they just don't want to think about it. Well, I love that you raised that point, Peter. That is so spot on with so many things we hear today. And, but older people have the same reaction. When someone says to me, oh, well, you know, you're 60. 60 is the new 40. Well, 60 isn't the new 40. That's ludicrous. 60 is 60. 40 is 40. 20 is 20. I just want to be the best I can be at 60 and be a good specimen of what 60 can feel like, look like, think like, live like, you know, create. I'm not trying to be the new 40. I respect 40. I respect 40-year-olds. And to me, it's just that kind of thinking needs to change. And that has just raised in my mind a, a, another thing that I think a lot about and uh, I encounter a lot, and that is this phrase of anti or anti, as I would say from the UK, <laughs> anti-aging, anti-aging, in some sense reversing the actual age that you are. And I really, I don't like it. I don't like thinking about reversing anti-aging. We are the age that we are and we should embrace it. And yes, there's lots of things we can do to be biologically or at least uh, have the appearance of being or physical sense of being biologically younger than we are but we're not changing our age you know all of us look in the mirror and have an 18 year old in our hearts looking at the mirror saying huh what happened you know what are those wrinkles around my eyes or when did my hair turn this color or did I lose it or anything else they're universal feelings because in our heart, if anything, in many ways, we've become more alive. You know, that said, it doesn't change the fact that we are getting older. And so let me ask you about how you live your life to optimize your vigor and you're clearly you're an extremely vital person. You're enthusiastic, you're optimistic. What do you, if you could maybe boil it down into a nutshell of a few bullet points, what do you make a point of doing every day to stay as obviously vibrant as you are? There are a few real simple things I do. I real, I'm, I'm a one cup of coffee a day drinker. 
I like a cappuccino in the morning. And when it comes to alcohol, I used to be able to drink a half a bottle of wine. If I have a, if I have a glass of wine, it might go to my head. So I'm very light on alcohol. Um, in between all that, I walk every place I can. It's a real benefit of living in a city like New York. I walk wherever I need to go. Um, in between, during, during the day, I get on a rebounder for conference calls. If I wouldn't make you dizzy, I might be doing that now. Or I walk on a walking treadmill desk so I can keep myself moving. And I also do mini, mini body resistance exercises every two to three hours where I might do push-ups or a plank or something to just keep my muscles knowing I need them. Diet-wise, I eat a lot of avocados. I eat nuts. I eat tons of fruits and vegetables all day long. Those are my primary food things. I won't say I'm a vegan or anything like that, but it is very rare I eat meat or fish, but it's kind of just because I don't like it. I would like to like it, but I never really enjoyed the taste. But um, I eat plenty. I eat regularly throughout the day, but I keep it as close to the earth as possible, and I don't consume chemicals. You know, it's quite remarkable to me, and you don't know too much about me it, it's almost to the point of giving me goosebumps listening to what you've said because you've described the lifestyle that I tried to lead and, it, and it's yeah. based on reading and the science it isn't just because I I think it might work it's based on on knowledge and to an extent and an understanding of the science but you talk about a, a treadmill desk a, a constantly moving walking a lot being a I think a mostly sort of pescatarian in terms mm -hmm. of your diet e exactly the kind of lifestyle and, and many other people that I speak to as well and it just seems to to work for me you know i i agree i've done it for probably now i think about 25 years and i don't think much about what i eat and if i really wanted something it's probably going to be dark chocolate with almonds you know but other than that i just it's not my first choice once in a while there is a croissant place around the corner that opens <laughs> <laughs> and I see nothing wrong with that. You know, that. that once in a while Nutella croissant, I figure that's good for my soul because my heart right. I'm taking care of as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, is fascinating to me and I'm really enjoying what I'm, I'm hearing from you. So maybe uh, what we should do is for people who haven't seen your blog, what are the typical subjects that you write about? I'm a believer in collective consciousness that we all feel the same range of emotions, maybe not at the exact same time, but we all have moments of insecurity. We all worry, oh, am I an imposter? Or we spend too much time worrying about what we said to someone or how we think they look. And we reflect on that over and over again. We're in many ways our own worst enemy or our best fan. So I write about things that I'm working on that I have heard other people during the day say when I'm walking down the street, and I'm standing at a corner. I'm always listening to the conversations of others. So beware if you are seeing me coming. <laughs> and um, it can be a little phrase that triggers my thought. And that's what I write about. A couple of weeks ago, I have a perfect example of this. A couple of weeks ago, I was out with a woman who's in her 50s and a, her assistant who was 27. And she said, you know, it takes experience to have experience. You need to get it to have it because she was talking about the job search. And I thought, isn't that a perfect thing for someone older to reflect on? 
I have the experience everybody wants. For a lot of people, you you have it, but it's underappreciated by those that you could share it with. And it's this word wisdom, of course, that we all acquire wisdom. I mean, it can be wisdom for better or worse. I mean, we can go through some bad times. You mentioned 9-11 a little earlier, and I was going to ask you about that. We go through some tough times in life, but it it all goes into that pot that you can describe as as wisdom that ultimately makes you, I think, a better person. I I do agree with that, Peter. And I think that wisdom we can pick up at any age. I mean, I had tons of experiences throughout my life as you have, but I think it took experiences plus years. I I do know some people that are very young and I would call them very wise. I mean, if you think about children, they say things that are so profound. And then we kind of socialize and get involved you know, into culture and society, and we start to not trust ourselves as well. We put all these layers on. And um, I think I'm paraphrasing David Bowie, who's talked about what aging was for him was taking off the layers that he put on over the years, getting back to that essence of child, of the freedom to just kind of, you know, hug when you want to hug, you know, run down the street and, you know, be happy seeing someone whatever it is, but getting back to that essence of who we are. What do you say to people who may suggest, and I've heard this, that suggest that some people as they're getting older are perhaps not living a life that is age-appropriate? I find it a very irritating phrase, age-appropriate. And I'm thinking of, yes, it's fine to go to a Rolling Stones concert or you know, wear clothes that perhaps a younger person might wear because you feel still comfortable living that kind of life. And there's almost a, a kind of looking down on an older person who tries to continue that, that youth, that sense, as you say, we're all young in our minds and in, a, in our hearts, and that there is actually nothing wrong, in my view, of trying to live that out. Well, there are certainly people like that of every age, You could have teenagers looking at someone older thinking, you know, why are they wearing that or why are they doing that? Um, I think at that age, it comes from, you know, an insecurity of who am I? As we get older and people say that, it can be that insecurity of, wow, I'd like to do that, but I don't necessarily have the comfort level to do that. When anybody breaks out of the mold, I mean, if you think about a tree, a tree grows and everybody's fine with that tree growing until it starts to create a shadow and starts to impact the other plants that are trying to grow. And then it's not so cool anymore that 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 tree needs to get chopped down a little. It's the same thing with human nature on some level. I think one of the great things about vital older people is that there is always something to do there's always something new to achieve and certainly for me i i love technology we're we're using a lot of technology to make this recording i'm in los angeles you're in new york we're making a a good quality recording but you and i uh, half an hour ago had to we figured out how to do that and to make it as sound as 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 good as as possible it's it's a challenge and i enjoy that what sort of thing do you enjoy doing and perhaps there are things that you haven't achieved yet in your life that you would like to do well When I'm about 100 years old, you know, Elton John, I think, holds the record for selling out Madison Square Garden for the most nights. Well, I want to have a 100-year-old rager birthday party that lasts as many days as an Elton John 
run. <laughs> and I want to invite all the people who I engage with every day so we can all celebrate together. So I keep telling them they need to stay healthy so they can come to my 100-year-old birthday party. And we can all rock out together and have a really good time. But it's going to have to be several nights because Madison Square Garden only holds about 20,000. And I'm like talking lots and lots of people <laughs> that have been encouraged to take good care of their, themselves and to live their lives to the fullest. Because that, to me, is what I want. I want everybody to feel it's you, you're a one of a kind, man. Show the world who you are. The mold was broken the day you landed here on Earth. There's no more of you. Live it. Show it. You have a responsibility. Do you owe it to whatever you believe created life? I don't care how, what you want to call it, whether you want to call it God, a higher being, whatever. You know, you owe it to the world to show who you are to the fullest. That's what I believe. And the more people I convince, the happier I am. Well, I'm 57 years old, so we're about the same age. Yeah. I hope I get a, an invitation. It sounds like quite a party. Absolutely. And sponsors are going to cover it, so it's not going to cost anybody anything for tickets. We're just going to rage. <laughs> I love the idea. <laughs> How do you deal with the physical challenges of, of getting older? And yeah, I'm not one to deny the fact that as you get older, certain things do become more difficult and perhaps you've got to work at it. And I think you mentioned strength training earlier, that that's crucially important as you get older to, to maintain that, that muscle mass. But for some people, that physical challenge can become overwhelming when it doesn't have to be. What I would recommend to everyone is watch Mick Jagger dance. Follow Mick Jagger and look at a couple of his you know, one minute dance sessions that are all current on his Instagram. You won't even have to go back 30 posts. And if he's 78 and didn't lead the healthiest life, that to me is at times, I mean, I think we've all, we all got to grow up watching Mick Jagger. I believe you can turn around a lot, not everything, not everything. But you can make a lot of changes in your lifestyle, and it starts with little steps. You know, Jack LaLanne used to say the biggest mistake people make with exercise is they want to get in shape in an afternoon. So they go to the gym, and they say, oh, today's the day I'm going to the gym. And they go in, and they work out so hard they can't move the next day. Then they quit because they're sore. So I believe in taking little steps every day and building on that. You, nobody, you didn't get out of shape in, an, in a day. You're not going to get into shape in a day. So you have to look at it as I'm going to do a little bit every day and build upon it. And it really does work as well. And I, I think it is just taking those first steps and see you might, you might have a few aches and pains after the first time at a gym at the age of 60. Oh, you're going to you have a lot. keep at it. <laughs> If you really keep at yes, you'll have a lot. But if you keep at it, and we, we've spoken to people on this podcast who are living proof that, that it does really work, how you know, lifting weights, start small and get bigger and get bigger, how it can really help you, not just in your muscular strength, but it, it gives you a, a, in a mental sense, you just feel better and stronger. Yes, when, when I know I've done anything that made a particular muscle sore, you stand taller. You, you notice that, you feel it, and you're, and you're excited. If you're sore, 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 then you have no desire to do it the next day. But if you feel it just enough, and it doesn't take much to get to that just enough feeling, 
just to feel that little extra tightness in your arms or in your stomach or in your legs, it's inspiring. So what else do you want to do? You're a successful author. You've got a successful blog. Do you have new titles in mind, new books that you want to work on? I always am writing several books. (laughs) And I just never know which one's going to come to fruition next. Um, It's been a a big project to write a blog every day. It's a real discipline. And that's also something I would recommend any of your listeners think about doing, Peter, is commit to doing something every single day, no matter what age you are. And for me, it's I don't miss a day of writing a blog, period. That's my commitment to myself and now my community. So that's a big thing. And um, I am with Wilhelmina. And they're keeping me busy. And there is a lot of really cool brands that are zooming in on our audience and are embracing the silvers or the chromies or whatever we want to call ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) And just while we're mentioning the blog, just remind us uh, what the URL is, how people can actually access your blog. Oh, thank you. My blog is silverdisobedience.rocks. Or the real easy way to get to it is SD, for silver disobedience, just SD.rocks. And it's .rocks, not .com, because we rock. So silverdisobedience.rocks and my Instagram and Facebook and all and Pinterest are all at silverdisobedience. And you also mentioned your community there, which uh, brings another thought to mind for me that is so vitally important for people as they age. And that is a sense of community, but it is circle of friends and association with other people. You know, when I started blogging, I thought I viewed the Internet as a cold place. Now, it's almost like we're all in the largest group therapy session you could possibly imagine because we're all communicating emotions, which is really what therapy in any way is about. And I'm not claiming I'm a therapist, so let's not make any assumptions <laughs> there. It's more that we're just, everyone's feeling comfortable expressing what's on their minds in a safe place. And it really has been a safe place. I haven't noticed a single negative comment. But with that, what's so fascinating is the just complete positive nature of everyone. And when somebody will see me in a commercial or in an ad, they'll say, oh my gosh, I said to my family, that's my friend. And they'll say, well, but is it okay I say that? And I say, yeah, because on some level we are friends. We have all different kinds of friendships in life. And this is a group of a friendly community. And I think that is a, a great way to finish this. It's truly inspiring what you're doing. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you very much indeed, Diane. Oh my gosh, thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure. And let's hope we can do it again. And I look forward to the party in a few decades' time. Uh, You're getting an invite because you're going to be fun to rage at it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. And a quick reminder, if you'd like to check out our back catalogue of interviews, they're all available at our website. That's llamapodcast.com, double L-A-M-A podcast.com that's live long and master aging in the show notes for this episode i'll put all of diane's details as well so you can get to her blog and if you fancy giving us a review at your podcast platform of choice well that will be very welcome whether it's apple podcasts or stitcher it's always great to hear what you think of the podcast many thanks for listening
FlexBeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the FlexBeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibers that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. FlexBeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a FlexBeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.